That's everybody else's job. Um, I uh, was reading this this last night. I was I was looking for something I had heard once, and I wanted to share it with you. The um, oldest, largest being, like living thing, on the planet. Everybody with me? And I know some of y'all think I'm going to say it's Craig Edwards, but it is not because it's largest. It's just not just oldest. Um, I, I feel so bad picking on him when he's not here. I really hope he watches this. Uh, this is, does everybody see this? This is Pando. I am not making that up. It is Pando. This is a, uh, a grove of aspen trees in Colorado. Um, here's another picture so you can see the green outline there. If you're in the online community, after the service, jump over to Wikipedia and look it up. It is absolutely fascinating. Pando is the oldest and largest single living being on the planet. Um, and how could it be that that is a single living being? I can see a lot of distinct trees. Well, what happened is, it is what is called a, and I have to look, uh, at my printout from the Wikipedia page, I am literally not that smart. Um, it is what is called a clonus. Oh man, I lost it. That's awful. Uh, a clonal colony. It is a clonal colony. This is one individual tree that covers the space of like like square miles. And what happened is the root system of uh, the trembling giant is the name of this this particular collection of trees. They are quaking aspens. Um, The first one, the roots spread and recreated the tree. Isn't that amazing? And so genetically, every single one of these trees in this, uh, in Pando, is the same being, and they're all interconnected by a giant root system. Isn't that amazing? And it is thousands of years old. But none of the trees individually are thousands of years old um, because aspens have a very distinct lifespan and cycle, and they die. But as the trees are dying, new ones are sprouting and replacing them constantly. And so the oldest living tree is actually Pando. But if you look it up, it's actually in California. They'll say, oh, it's this 5,000-year-old you know, whatever tree is the oldest one ever. But in reality, Pando outages it. But it doesn't look that way because it's not one giant tree. It's hundreds and hundreds of small trees. And over the course of history, thousands and tens of thousands of other trees that just stand in a long march on the way to the trembling giant. Um, If I remember... Hopefully I remember. Uh, I'll come back to that trembling giant idea. By the way, does anybody here speak Latin? Me neither. You're not supposed to heckle. Uh, Pando is a Latin word meaning it spreads. Right? It spreads. There's a reason I'm talking about this tree. Um, Today is our 100 year, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what that means and why it's a big deal and why we're talking about it. And then on the other side of that, to put it into perspective, um, we've been preaching through the book of Acts in the winter. And then in the summer, I think, what did we do? Daniel? 
Um, but we've been preaching through Acts because I started a series way back when where I said, we're going to look at what the church is and why we're here and why we do the things that we do. And we're going to talk about the church. And so we've been talking about the church and we've been looking at the book of Acts, which is where the church began. And the cool thing about the book of Acts is that in the book of Acts, the church starts out in Jerusalem. There's a few hundred guys. And then what does it do? It spreads, right? And it goes out, and it starts to find new places to take root. But they're all the same, right? It's not as though the guys in Antioch or the guys in Rome were a different church. It spreads, but the roots are still connected. Is everybody with me? I know I usually start out funny, and this time you just got to laugh at the other parts of me instead of what I'm saying. Um, So... We're going to be talking about John 15 this morning, and the reason I am doing John 15, Craig, who is just awesome, and I, I, I wish I was here so I could put him on the spot, he made a video, and after the service, right, some of us have to hustle off and do stuff, and some of you all can't sit for more than 10 minutes at a time, that's me, right? Um, but after the service, we're going to run this video, and we're going to run it like kind of a few times, and it's just 100 years of this church in photographs. And Glenn and Anita are in a lot of them, by the way. And before them, and I said this, I interrupted uh, Roberta because I'm a terrible person. Um, Before them, Anita's grandmother um, went to this church. She was one of the founding members Um, way, way back when. Um, One of the texts that, that Craig used in this video is John 15, and we're going to do John 15. We're going to talk about it, and that's going to be where we're going to jump off, okay? So this is Jesus speaking. This is the book of John. Um, I am the vine. You are the branches. Now, if you read the words of Jesus regularly, you're going to discover that Jesus uses a lot of agricultural and farming and ranching type analogies. You know why? Everybody around him was an agricultural worker or a farmer or a, were there ranches? I is it a sheep? Can you have a sheep ranch? Is that a thing, Clara? Yes, that's a thing, right? It's not just a sheep, like herd or flock or tangle. They just kind of wander around. Okay, so they're not cows then. So the ranchers in the room, you can put your guns away, please. Um, Okay, so I am the vine and you are the branches. So he's using a very specific analogy and like it's grapevines, right? Um, And you may have heard it through the grapevine that grapes are like a very useful thing. And they, in this part of the world, grapes were where you got wine from and you drank wine every day. It was a part of every part of life, right? And you would have these vineyards. And as you grew your vineyard, you would have to tend your vines. And apparently they had this whole practice where sometimes you would chop off parts of a vineyard, like parts of a vine, and you would take parts of another vine and like attach it and kind of glue it on, grafting it in. You you get what I'm saying? And so Jesus is starting to reference this and it's going to play out a lot in the New Testament. Um, And so as we get into this, I am the vine, meaning Jesus is the vine and you are the branches, meaning us. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Meaning, if you cut a branch off of a plant, what does it do? 
It dies really quickly, right? So, ladies, when your handsome husband brings you home a bundle of flowers, he is giving you the dead parts of a plant, right? Because the moment they're off, they ain't alive anymore. Um, In order for them to continue to live, they need to be attached. So, um, if you remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown, or if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So this is the book of John, and what Jesus is talking about here is he's talking to his, to his disciples, and he's saying, listen, if you want to do God's thing, if you want to live the purpose that God made you for, if you want to escape the old version of who you are, right? Because I don't know about you guys, I have an amazing talent for screwing things up, right? I see a lot of nodding. I'm assuming you're talking about me, but understand, like, we're all in that boat. We all fall on our faces. We all sin. We all do stuff that we look back and say, like, when we're laying in bed at night and it's, you just can't get to sleep and those little memories come wandering in, you know the ones? And you say, if I could only unring that bell. And that's life detached. But attached to Christ, like, first off, we know that everything is gone. We're forgiven. Nope, not yet, honey. Oh, you're going to the bathroom. (laughs) Better to do that before. Uh, The water's cold. What do you want? Uh, I don't know what you people think. Uh, Abby's now at the back of the line, I'm sure. Um, Um. So what Jesus is talking about is this idea that we become a part of this larger vine, this larger plant, this larger pando, if you will, right? Like, I I have not always been a believer. I I started um, following Jesus when I was, I don't know, in like junior high, all right, like 30 some odd years ago. And at that point in time, I was attached to a tree. I didn't have to be born into it. I didn't have to be good enough to join, which is amazing, right? Like, that is one of those things that is, I remember thinking, is like, like at different times in my life, I'll never be good enough for this. And in reality, like, you're never going to be good enough. And that's part of the point, right? Like, Christ, through Christ being punished for us, we are forgiven and we're grafted into the tree. We become a part of this bigger thing, and it's awesome. It gives us purpose. It pumps, like, the spirit and this lifeblood into us that makes us new. And it's amazing. So Jesus is saying, listen, stay in me. Stay attached to the vine and you will be alive. You will bear fruit for God. You'll bring him glory. And by the way, if you want to see what that looks like after the service today, walk around and look at the pictures. Right? Because there are people who came before us who bore fruit, who helped other people change their lives who like helped alcoholics get off of off of like the bottle and who brought the loss like who saw no point in life and helped them to know who christ is um jeremy i love jeremy very much and i pick on him a lot because i love him but jeremy was was a lost person and then like 
like through people in this church, he came to know something better, and he became different. And Christ forgave him, and he was grafted onto the tree, and that is phenomenal. So we're going to jump over to the book of Romans. Um, And what's going on in Romans? Romans is this big, long letter, and in it, Paul talks a lot about Jewish people and not Jewish people, Gentiles. Everybody with me? Um, And he talks about how the Jewish people were the vine to begin with. They were it. They grew out and they branched off and they were everywhere, but they never bore any fruit. Or some of them did and some of them didn't. And we're all this struggle. And part of that is because um, the whole system then was set up where you followed laws, you followed rules, and that's how you became okay with God. And the problem with that is that we're all awful. Like super awful. If you know me halfway, you know I'm awful. And the only way I can be acceptable to God is not by being good, but by God sending his son to die for me, be good in my place, and God pours his wrath out on Jesus. Like, like when Jesus is crucified, God is looking at him and he sees all of Eric's sin. And he sees all of like Abby's sin. And he sees all of Wyatt's sin. And he sees all of Frank's sin. And he sees all of Larry's sin. And, and he pours his wrath out on it. And Jesus gets punished in my place and in your place. And not perfect, we're grafted in because we're forgiven. It's free. You have to do anything to earn it. So what Paul is talking about here, he's talking about how some people have been brought in and some of the Jewish people have rejected God and rejected the gospel. And like some of them have been broken off. So if some of the branches have been broken off, meaning some of these folks that came before, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. So what's he saying? Halfway through, but I'm going to stop and explain it because there's a lot going on. He's saying, listen, there are folks that come before us who walk away. Because I'm going to tell you, following Jesus is hard. If you do it right, it's hard. It is not, I am better than all of you, and let me tell you why you're all awful and I'm awesome. It's not. Following Jesus means being able to stand up and say, I, I have ruined my life repeatedly. I, I hit a point where my wife prayed for God to kill me, and, and God changed my life afterward. And, like, I am not a good man. I am not standing up here preaching because I have done something good, but because I have been grafted in a wild olive root, a branch, and I've been attached to Pando, the church which spreads, right? And that common root, which is Jesus, is pumping new life into me. And I become like his clone. And every day I become less greedy, obnoxious, self-centered, angry, yelling, you know, drunk a lot, Eric, and I become who I am. And so anything you see me do and you think, man, Eric's awesome. I really appreciate that he did that, which I know doesn't happen very often, but surely in the last nine years, at least once, that's not me. That's Jesus. You're seeing the root pumping the spirit, pumping Jesus into me, and you're seeing something better because on my own, I will always screw up. I will always look at the rule and say, and your kids probably do this, Dad, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but what if, you know, I know I'm not supposed to watch TV, but what if I hear the TV 
And what if I see it in the reflection on the clock? Does that count? You know what I'm talking about, right? And that's because we are all, nobody teaches our kids to do that. We do it because we look for ways to break the rules. It's in our nature. That's what sin is. It's this thing that says, I will do the wrong thing no matter what. Um, but in Christ, we're given this new life. We're fed by the sap of this common root. And we're brought into Pando. Did I say it right? Pando. Um, if you consider this, you do not support the root. But the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. What is faith? Faith is not works. It is not a bunch of stuff you do. It is saying, I believe, I believe that God saw me, saw me messing up, saw me his enemy, saw me angry and bitter and miserable and and dishonest and everything else. And he loved me so much that he made me new. And I believe that and I confess it. Jesus is my Lord. Um, And I follow him. And because of that, I'm saved. Not because I did anything, but because I'm like, I have faith and it's grafted me in. It is this free gift that comes with it. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. So what's he saying? He's saying, listen, when you recognize what God has done for you, you cannot then turn around, stand up and say, look at how awesome I am. Right? Anybody ever know church people like that? I was watching uh, Saturday Night Live, the church lady. Some of y'all are not like 30 or older, and so you have no idea what I'm talking about. But she was like this horrible woman who would judge everyone. And, like, it was this stereotype with the churches, and it's often the stereotype. But what Paul is saying here is you can't do that. You can't look at other people and say, I'm better than you because I'm this. In reality, I am only this because of the root that's under me. Because I, and I, I have to stand and tremble and recognize I'm only here because, because God loves me and forgave me. Not because I earn it, not because I deserve it, not because I'm awesome. Because in reality, for me, the only thing I brought to Jesus saving me is the sin that made it necessary. Um, I, uh, years ago, I was at a concert with my wife. And um, we're watching this concert, and a security guard tackled me out of nowhere. It was crazy. And he, like, threw me against the wall, and it was like, I was mad. And I, I was not very compliant and suddenly there were multiple security guards and they realized very quickly they had made a mistake they had thrown a guy out earlier in the evening and i looked a little like him i he was stunningly handsome (laughs) i can only assume (laughs) and uh They realized their mistake, and they kind of backed off like, oh, man, we're sorry, we're sorry. And I was furious. And I remember sitting down and fuming. And this guy came up to me. He was a cameraman. And he said, dude, I saw what happened to you. That was wrong. You didn't do anything. You didn't deserve that. He's like, take my all-access pass. I'm really sorry that happened. And I like, okay. And I wandered around. I was backstage while they were playing, like watching. I probably could have wandered on stage. Nobody would have stopped me. I had an all-access pass. I went afterwards, and I sat in the room with all of the bands, and they were talking to 
some people who are like want a contest to be back there or something like that. And I'm just standing in the corner like, I wonder when somebody's going to realize I don't belong here. <laughs> like, when are they going to throw me out? But I had the pass, right? And I didn't say a word. I didn't talk to him. I wanted to, but I was like, man, the moment I start talking, I'm out of here. And I trembled because I didn't belong there. But I was grateful that I got to be there. That is us, folks. Those of us who are a part of this tree, part of Pando, part of the 100 years that this place has been here, we are engrafted because we deserve it, because we're awesome, because we're holier than the rest of you? Absolutely not. The church is the trembling giant in a very real way because none of us deserve it. It is a gift. So this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and they're arguing with each other, and they're like, oh, well, I was baptized by this guy, or I was brought into the church by this guy. And Paul steps in, and he's like, guys, shut up. That was the Greek. I did not just... <laughs> um, that I'll translate that later if you ask me. Sorry, my mouth is getting dry. What, after all, is Apollos? Apollos, by the way, what is Apollos? Who is Apollos? Apollos was a guy who went and preached there and started this church in Corinth or helped start it. What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed. Anybody seeding right now? Anybody tired of seeding? <laughs> um, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has made, or God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they have been rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-heirs in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And I stand to you at a hundred years and I say, if you are here, if you are part of our body, if you're part of our online community, if you're one of the people who came before us who's sitting in a nursing home or home watching or whatever, if you are one of these people, none of us made this happen. Some of us have participated in the work. We've tilled, we've pulled rocks, we've done all that other stuff that's really fun, right? But Jesus has done the work. Jesus has made the growth happen. And so this church, you know, there are pastor pictures all over the place, right? And go look at them. I am nothing. I'm just the next guy in line. I am a co-heir in the work. And I am grateful, but I'm trembling in it because I know I'm not worthy. Anybody who knows me well knows it for sure. God brings the growth. God has given us 100 years. And Lord willing, he'll give us another hundred. And then eternity after that. Whoa, what happened? Did I just jump? Okay. All right. So Paul in Romans, back to Romans. Just as one body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, Gentiles or people who aren't Jewish, slaves or free, and we were given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. What's he saying here? He's saying, listen, when we're saved, when we're grafted into the root and the sap starts pumping into us, once we're part of Pando, man, I really want a shirt that says part of Pando. 
um, once we are a part of the trembling giant, and we've been made a part of this, some of y'all might be Catholic. Because I think I saw a visitor who was Catholic that, was it, did I see Father Pete or not? He probably left. Uh, or he's hiding because I'm talking about him. Um, but we're part of Pando. Same root. Same bloodline pumping in, right? I, I got family that are Baptists. And, and even, or I got in-laws that are Baptists. And even if you talk to them and they say, nope, we are the only trees in this system, in reality, there is a common root. And they don't say that anymore. Um, all of us, the church before us, St. Francis, Martin Luther, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who went to a concentration camp preaching the gospel in Germany in World War II, like all of the people who have come before us, we are all part of this tree. We all have the same spirit. We are all filled the same way. We're all made brand new. Why does this matter? Well, it matters because it doesn't matter who your family is or how screwed up your background is or where you came from or what you look like or what hole you have found yourself in. In Christ, we can become a part of the trembling giant. Um, I remember years ago, and I've used this story a few times, but I'm going to tell it until I die because I love it. I was uh, talking to a young lady. This is when I worked at the home. And this young lady was in our drug treatment program. And I was talking to her about grace and about forgiveness. And she looked at me and she said, you do not know who I am. You do not know what I have done. You do not know where I have been. God will never forgive me. He can never wash the filth off of me. And I knew, like I knew where I'd been working with her in her treatment, like I was the chaplain there and I had this whole job. And I knew that there were some shameful things there. I knew there were some very shameful things that were like out there and the whole world could see them. I know that she had hurt people and been victimized by people. And it was a big, horrible, nasty mess. And what I told her, and the same thing I'm telling you today, It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. If you are in Christ, if you stand up and say, I will follow Christ. And this baptism we're doing today is these guys saying, I'm going to live following Jesus. And it's a symbol of being washed. And all of that garbage is gone. I baptized that girl if I remember right. It's been more than a decade. I'm getting old, so my memory doesn't work well. But all she ever had to do was believe that Christ died for her. And say, I'm going to follow you. And she's forgiven. Made whole, made new, grafted into it. And part of Pando, the trembling giant. Standing in the corner right next to me, probably with her all-access passing. I hope nobody realized the mistake they made by letting me in here. There was no mistake. I think two more verses left. We're almost there. Um, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba, I know, Dancing Queen and all that other stuff, that's not what it is. Abba is like the Aramaic word. It means Daddy. And so what Paul is saying here, he's like, listen, all of you who are in this place, who have been baptized by the Spirit, the Spirit is not in the water. This is a symbol of the Spirit filling you up and making you brand new. Like all of you who are in that place, who are following Jesus, who have been made new in Christ, you're not slaves. 
You're not secondhand citizens. You're not God's trash or God's, you know, wait staff or what have you. In fact, you've been adopted as sons. In Roman law at the time, because it's a book written to Rome, in Roman law, if a boy was ba- uh, like, like adopted as a son, it was illegal to mention or even infer or imply, literally illegal to imply that he is not 100% the son of whoever ba- uh, adopted him. And so in Christ we are not just made new, not just washed, not just you know, saved from our garbage. Christ doesn't just take our punishment, but he brings us in as sons, as daughters. Can you imagine that? The God who hung the stars in the sky watched you when you suffered, watched you when you rebelled, watched you when you fell on your face in the mud and wept with you because he knew this is going to be my son one day. This is going to be my daughter one day. And here we are, Pando, all one, all sons, all daughters. And we cry out, Abba, Father, meaning Daddy. I would never, I would feel weird. Like, I I haven't called my dad Daddy in years, right? But Daddy, God who created everything, you are my Father intimately. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. All right, last verse. Um, Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. So watch this. Christ died on the cross, was punished for our sins. He was put in the ground, buried dead, rose again, and like the Bible tells us that that's the first of everyone who will ever rise again. There's this weird idea that heaven is going to be like clouds and harps and like some weird spiritual ethereal thing. Absolutely not. Right? We will be physically resurrected and we will enjoy the world. That is why coffee is so good. Because coffee is a gift from God. That is why playing with your children is glorious. That is why... Um, the sunrise over the bear paws is breathtaking because it was designed for us to enjoy forever. And every one of us who is in Christ is filled with the spirit and the old version of us dies and a new version is brought to life. And that's part of what's symbolized in baptism. It symbolizes our washing, but it also symbolizes old Eric is dead and buried. New Eric has just come to life as the very beginning of eternity. And so we got a handful of young folks who are going to baptize today. And this 